want to welcome you all this morning to our service of worship. Also, those who are joining us online this morning, we welcome you on this 18th, sun, 18th day of October, the third Sunday of the month. Uh, this morning, our call to worship is Psalm 90, and we're using it as a the call to worship that includes both confession and assurance, as well as call to worship. Uh, I invite you just to follow along in the Pew Bible if you want to, or just listen. The psalmist writes, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men, for a thousand years in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. And all our days pass away under your wrath, and we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have strength. Yet the span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, O Lord, establish the work of our hands. May God bless this reading from the book of Psalms. Let us Open our hymn books to number 172, and as you are able to stand, let us sing together, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. In your bulletin, you will find printed the Nicene Creed that we shall use this morning to affirm the faith. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation 
came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he arose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen and amen. Let us greet one another this morning by uh, giving the wave offering of peace. I want to welcome you all this morning. We've had some technical issues. That's why a little bit in the delay getting started. And, you know, it's always, it started by me leaving the house this morning and leaving my cell phone at home. And you know what that means. Uh, we are cut off from the world, so to speak. And we've had some of those issues, and I have Mary out today, and George Ann is down at the beach. Fortunately, John and Natalie are here to help uh, put things together, so thank you for being patient with us this morning. I call your attention to a couple of things. Uh, on the announcement page in the back, the f we're planning a family cookout for next Sunday, October 25th. But as of yet, not a soul has signed up. So uh, I'm beginning to think that uh, that may not happen. Uh, but if you are, I need to know by Wednesday of this week. And we'll make a determination at that point in time whether we will try to have it. I've looked at the forecast, and there's rain next Sunday, of course. Uh, why wouldn't there be? <laughs> so... We'll see. We'll see how that comes out. As you were coming into the chapel this morning, you may have seen against the wall over there a table set up with the Samaritan's Purse Christmas Child uh, boxes that are set up. It's that time already, and uh, you are welcome to pick up a box and take it home and fill it and bring it back. Uh, or you can do like several have already done, is um, for $31, uh, you can get the box filled by Samaritan's Purse for the age-appropriate child, male or female. You That includes the curriculum about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that's given to each child. And... Um, uh, 
you know, just makes it much easier than, than going out and shopping. I know a lot of folks aren't going out to the stores to do except necessary shopping. And so if you want to do that, you can make a check out to the church in the memo item, put Christmas children's Christmas box or Samaritan's purse Christmas child's box, whatever you want. And we'll be doing that. They're due the, uh, by the 6th. No, by the 8th of November, which seems like a long time off, but it really isn't. So uh, I have those. Again, if you'd like to take one and fill, fill it and bring it back, you can certainly do that. And um, for those of you who have already uh, contributed to that, we thank you very much. Uh, a reminder that the Bible studies for men and women are currently going on. The men's Tuesday morning Bible study is at 8 a.m. Uh, we just finished the book of Ezra, which was a great book, and we are going to begin the Gospel of Luke this coming uh, Tuesday. So that begins at 8 o'clock and goes to 9 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. The women are studying topics from the, the Bible for this time, and they this coming week, the, the subject is faith. And uh, we talked about joy last week, and we talked about hardship the week before, and so that is Thursday mornings at 10.30 here at the church. So I give those uh, to you as opportunities for further study in the Scriptures. Now, our first scripture reading for the sermon this morning is found in the Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, both of the scripture readings for the sermon come from this 17th chapter in John. We're going to read first John 17, 1 through 19, and then we'll read uh, in a few minutes verses 20 through 26. You'll find that on page 765 in the Pew Bibles. Now, this is very important. This is a chapter that we don't, um, we probably don't read a lot. It's, it's Jesus praying. And he's praying for a lot of things. And uh, one in particular is he's praying for his disciples and he's praying for what his disciples will do after he has been crucified and died and buried and then resurrected. And it talks about, in that sense, the future of God's people and of God's church. So we begin reading here at verse 1, chapter 17. And after this, and after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
I have revealed you to those whom you gave me, and out of the world they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world." My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. May God bless this part of the reading from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, Mary Short was going to be singing this morning, uh, and she is at home, not feeling well, so Lema is going to play a piece for us. Thank you, Lema. Just out of curiosity, how many have already voted? Just curious. As we draw closer to the election, we certainly need to be in prayer for our nation, as uh, we seem to be of many minds. And so uh, it is important that uh, we as citizens of this land exercise the right to vote, and I would encourage you to do that. Since uh, I am living in Mississippi, we don't have early voting in Mississippi. So we get to stand in line on November 3rd, and we will do that. But um, yes, <laughs> you stood in line yesterday, I understand, here in Tennessee. So that's very important. Remember, uh, unlike other uh, democracies and republics around the world, in Europe especially, where voting is a requirement. Here in the United States, it's a right. We do not have, we are not obligated to vote, but we need to exercise our rights. 
and we need to cast our vote. It's an important act as a citizen of this land. So let me encourage you to do so if you haven't already do, done so. And for those of you have ha who have done so, um, thank you for exercising your right as an American citizen. Let us go to the Lord our God in prayer this morning. Well, gracious God, as we come to you, uh, there are many things as each week brings on our minds and in our lives. Our schools here in Germantown and Collierville and the private schools and some of the other public school systems are, have been on fall break and they'll be returning to school. Students, in many cases, are going back to the classroom for the first time in nine weeks, while others have already been there nine weeks. Still others learning virtually at home. Oh, gracious God, it is, remains and is a challenging situation for all. Continue to be with teachers and students and parents and all those administrating the school year. We pray for them this day. Gracious God, as we come to you, we are reminded that uh, we are now fully into the autumn, the fall time of year. Things begin to change. The days grow shorter. Help us to be mindful that even though these things are now occurring, that you call us to remain vigilant and to be concerned about our health and the health of others. Lord, help us and help those who are every day at work in the hospitals and the doctor's offices and the clinics all around the city as they go about taking care of the sick and ill, of seeing to the wellness of those who come into their presence. We pray for all these types of healthcare workers, and we pray, Lord, that you continue to keep them safe. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for a nation that uh, seems to be quite divided in many different directions. We pray for our cities where many of them remain under conflict and tumult, where violence and murder and mayhem remain a great part of each and every day. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless those especially the church in different circumstances and in different situations, laboring under the restrictions of the viruses that has been set forth across the land. Lord, your people have labored under more difficult circumstances. Help us to get through this and to understand it and to be strong because of it. This we pray. We pray for our missionaries on the field. We pray for Craig and Mary DeLille in Brazil. We pray for the understalls there in Lebanon. We pray that you help them and keep them and protect them and that in their ministries that the gospel of your son Jesus Christ continues to go forth. We pray for A.B. Scott as he is in Mexico and for getting established his ministry there. We lift them up. And mighty God, we ask these things and we pray these prayers and also the prayers from each and every person's heart this day. 
Hear them, answer them, comfort where comfort is needed, strengthen those who are faint-hearted, encourage those who are despondent, for we pray these things in Jesus' name, and together we add the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now, let us continue in the Gospel of John in the 17th chapter, this time reading verses 20 through 26. Jesus finishes his prayer, and he says, after he has prayed for his disciples, he then prays, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, and they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. May God bless the reading of Jesus' prayer for his disciples and for all those who will believe in his name. Amen. Well, this month of October, I have been preaching this series of sermons entitled The Harvest Home Sermons, and today's uh, sermon is secondarily entitled Generations, Generations. And it's important, I think, for us as we think about this time of year of ingathering, of seeing what is left, of seeing what has been grown, of seeing where we stand, of preparing for the winter months to come and things like that, to think about God's church. And this is what Jesus is praying for. He prayed for his disciples. He's praying for all those who will believe in Jesus through them. That is the church. 
And so I want to address the importance of the generations of the church. Now, last Sunday in my sermon, one of the things that I talked about is how it is important for the church, the local expression of the church like us here at Faith to be multi-generational, that a good and healthy church has four generations in it, and occasionally five. It is healthy because there are children, there are young people, there are middle-aged adults, there are senior adults, there are older elderly adults. It ranges the whole spectrum. It has both energy and it has also maturity and wisdom. It has possibility and it has experience. It has all of these things that make a church a living organism. And it is very important. This is nothing new in the life and the history of the church of Jesus Christ. As we go back over the course of the history of the church, some 2,000 years, we see that from the very beginning, that the church has been composed of multi-generations of people and families. There on the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts, when Peter and the other apostles being fully empowered by the Holy Spirit go out and began in Jerusalem to proclaim the gospel, to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, thousands listened to them. Jews and Gentiles who had gathered from all over the empire of Rome because it was the feast of Pentecost, the feast of the first fruits of the season. And there, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, they said, what must we do? What must we do? Peter, speaking boldly, says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, the promise is for you, for all who are far off, and for all of your children, your families. And there, it is said that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. In the book of Revelations, in the fifth chapter, Verses 9 and 10, there in the throne room of heaven, it says this, And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on earth from every nation and tribe and people. Not just then, but for the whole of the life of God's church here in the world and still to come. Now over the course of your life, you may have heard different 
terms used for the church. And some of you may never have heard these terms, but I want to share them with you this morning. We here this morning and every place where Jesus followers are gathered to worship him, to glorify the God, his father in heaven, to take part and to feel the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. When we gather like this, the church living, the church present, the church gathered together, the church following us online this morning, we are what is called the church militant. Now that sounds very strange. It's an old word. But it is a word that describes militant, meaning we're alive, militant, meaning that we are active, militant, meaning that we are an organized follow group of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the present living church. It is militant. It is active. It is alive. Now. What about all of those Christians, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents who were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but who are now gone from this world? Generations of those who came before us, we call them members of the church, and you've heard this, perhaps at a funeral, the church triumphant the church triumphant because they have triumphed in Jesus Christ they belong to God they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ Paul talks about this in his letters to the Corinthians he talks about it in his letters to the Thessalonians because what about those who have died before the return of the Lord and he says do not be concerned with those who have fallen asleep in Christ Jesus they are with the Lord the church triumphant those are the generations that have come before us and that are now gone well, then what is next? The future church, the future, those that here Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, for all those who will believe in me because of their word, because of what they do, the church expectant, the church expectant still to come the church of tomorrow the church of next year the church of 10 years the church of 50 100 the church of a thousand years from now if the Lord has not returned generations generations we think that we are just composed of the generations that are here but in reality we are composed of the generations who have come before us and the generations who will come after us that is the work of God that is the power of God these are the ones that Jesus has 
called and the Father has given to him. Now, in our creeds, in the Apostles' Creed, which we're not saying this month, we have the line, the Holy Catholic Church. In the uh, Nicene Creed, which we are saying this month, we have the line, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. What does those two terms mean? Well, the word Catholic here comes from the Latin and it refers to, in Latin, Catholic means universal. It means the church, all times, all places, past, present, and future. When it says holy apostolic Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. It talks about those who came before us and who have passed on the faith from the time of the apostles to now. Jesus prayed that we would be one. If there is a great sin in the church today is that we are not one of at least one mind in many things. But for the great majority of all Christians, we are of one mind. That is of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. Died on the cross, blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. One hope, one faith, one baptism, one Lord and master over all things, Jesus Christ. That is what Catholic Church in the creeds means. That is what the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church means. And there's one more that is very fond to us in the Protestant tradition and in especially the Presbyterians. The last letter of our great flower, the tulip, the perseverance of the saints. That God continues his church no matter what, that it cannot be thwarted. It cannot be overcome. God's purposes for his people and for his church, we persevere as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a living church, the militant church, is always anticipating the expectant church. We are always preparing for God's church of the future and the generations still to come. We lay the foundations. We pass on the faith. Sometimes a church does it by planting churches. Sometimes a church does it because it constantly renews and revitalizes itself. Sometimes it does it by closing and passing on its knowledge, its resources, other things to other younger congregations. We equipped people to do missions. We equipped people to spread the gospel. We equipped families to deepen and mature in their faith. This is part of what it means to be among the generations of the church. And this is not just of our own doing. Because the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, 
in our generations, in our congregation. The Holy Spirit is at work strengthening, building, convicting, leading others to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who we are. If we think that we're just the church and there's nobody else, then we have missed the boat. We are a part, in many ways, a very small, tiny part of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are called to be an active part. We are called to set the standards. We are called to pray for those in our families, pray for those in our neighborhoods, pray for those who are at work, pray for those that we know who do not know or who do not believe or who cannot, for whatever reasons, seem to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed for those who would follow because of them. Jesus prays for us. There in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, when we don't even know what to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf with groans and utterances too deep for us to hear and understand. So the church may be in a difficult time, not just here, but across the land, across the world. But we serve a mighty God, a God that is so much greater and so much more powerful and so much more able to do all that he desires and commands. He desires and commands that we be a church of generations built on those who have come before us, preparing for those who will come after us, living out the faith each and every day. That is who we are. That is how we should live. That is how we should view things. That we are part of God's people at this point, at this time in the world. Let us do our part. Let us be faithful disciples among the generations of those who have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll go on next week as we continue in this series of sermons, the Harvest Home Sermons, and we'll look at other aspects of the faith of the church of the people of God. Let us pray.
Almighty and everlasting God, you have blessed us. We sometimes forget that. We sometimes imagine ourselves to have nothing when we have more than we can possibly know or understand in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be the church of our generation. Help us to be the church that is active. Help us to remember those who have come before us. Help us to train and prepare all those who will come after. For we pray these things and we ask them all this day in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you care to make an offering, there is the offering plate in the back on your way out. Let us turn in our hymn books to hymn number 42. John tells me that Natalie has put a sign-up sheet at the door for the uh, October 25th family hot dog cookout. If you'd like to sign up, you can do so there. And now, my friends, go from this place this morning in peace. Hold strong to your faith. Have your eternal hope in Christ Jesus while showing his love to all that you meet. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the peace and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all this day. And I do pray forevermore. Amen.